If you've had dreams of starting your own side hustle, make sure to check out Curve Health Online. They have an iPad, iPhone, and Android app, and they only take home 7% of whatever it is you charge. Otherwise, it's free for their all-in-one computer vision, exercise library, HIPAA-compliant messaging system, and telehealth platform. Again, check it out at modmt.com slash curve, C-U-R-V, and make sure to tell them Dr. E sent you. Welcome to Untold Physio Stories Podcast, your perfect commute resource with physio failures, successes, interesting cases, and more from the physio and rehab world with your host, Drs. Andrew Rothschild and Urson Religioso. Fridays in your practice, email my exclusive promo code MMT2 to helix at helix4, the number four, pain.com to receive samples of these new professional pain relief creams and find a medical to supply distributor near you. You'll get a starter kit with several samples, patient information brochures, and it's a great way to help patients and grow your practice. Through continued research, MyPT Insurance has crafted a policy that is economical and provides you with the peace of mind you need. Your extensive education, training, and experience as a PT allows you to assist clients in achieving their personal health goals. By practicing without individual professional liability insurance, you could be placing your career and future finances at risk. Whether you're a student, self-employed, or employed with a company, MyPT Insurance is here to provide affordable insurance coverage while protecting you and your patients. MyPT Insurance's plan also includes mobile coverage, which means it follows you wherever you work in the United States. Employed rates and self-employed rates are available. Visit myptinsurance.com edge to sign up today. And uh, I want to get your take on it. It's a, it's a dry needling story. And I know you needle and I am trained in needling, but since I can't do it in New York, I haven't really practiced it too much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yes. Yeah, so what would you say the main adverse event that everyone's worried about is in dry needling? The pneumothorax. That would be a pneumothorax for sure. I mean, I only took dry needling level one, one, because I didn't want to invest too much uh, time in, you know, more than one course as I'm just basically waiting to either move out of New York state or wait for New York state to finally pass that physical therapists can do dry needling. Um, and also when I took um, kinetic core level one, the way they talked about the lung field, it made me actually more afraid to take level two <laughs> rather than, you know, me wanting to progress. I mean, they just really, I feel like they put fear avoidance into me, you know, like yeah. if I went anywhere near the lung field, it was just going to happen if you're not careful, you know, I don't know. That's the way I got out of it. And I also thought, I don't want anyone, I don't want to needle anyone's TMJ or I don't want to needle a pelvic floor and I don't want someone to needle my pelvic floor. So I thought I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good with level one. <laughs> So, I mean, I, I'm sure you guys get around to it and get used to it when you uh, get all up in someone's business in level two and three. But uh, I thought, eh, you know, for what it is, I, I, I learned what I wanted. So anyway, um, with that being said, so um, this guy was being seen for um, by this therapist for either cervical and or, and or thoracic pain. He, he was just doing your typical kind of treatments and the patient was uh, mostly responding. And on one visit, he decided to do some thoracic dry needling. Um, it seemed to go well. The guy left. Um, he felt a little better. Uh, and then two days later, he called and said, oh, um, 
you know, I didn't really mention my profession, but I am a respiratory therapist and I think I have a pneumothorax. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he said, okay, um, well, let me, you know, I'll refer you to, um, a surgeon that'd be checked out. And, um, cause one of my friends is a surgeon. In the meantime, he consulted with his friend too. And, um, you know, when it, his friend wasn't really to, and this is a therapist friend, the, his uh his surgeon friend was not really too familiar with you know the gauge and, and what these needles look like and when he finally showed him the needles that he used he thought there's no way that this thing could cause a pneumothorax um and i've i've often thought about that as well i mean i i don't know one way or the other i know that it has happened um but i i just think like it barely causes bleeding you know like sometimes I think it causes... it's the style that you do is if you do a lot of pistoning Oh, the pistoning. I can, can see that. You could create like multiple tiny holes. Right. And I see, yeah. And also I know that some styles they piston at like different angles. Yeah. So so I can see that for sure. Yeah. I mean that that make that makes more sense rather than just like putting a needle in and leaving it there or right. putting a needle in and stemming. Yeah, that makes and sense. I, and I don't do I don't do a lot of pistoning myself either. Um, yeah. A because mostly because it's people get really sore and doesn't really add additional value. But then, sure, obviously in certain areas like around the lung fields, added risk. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also feel that pistoning is kind of what I call searching and searching for destroying. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like you yeah. don't get the the desired uh, twitch response. So then you keep on pistoning around and you hope that you hope to generate one or. Something like that. that's like kind of like manipulating and not getting a cavitation, you know. Yes. Yeah. 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 Although in manipulation classes, they say you still get the same results according to the research, but um, depending on who you took dry needling from, they're right. like you really you really want the twitch, you know, and you got to get it. And some of the research for needling has also shown that you don't need the twitch response either to get a positive effect too. It's, it's yes. In my you know my limited anecdotal experience or what I call the. Uh, the you know the publications and the journal of anecdotal evidence <laughs> i i used to when i was first practicing it because i would actually practice on students and pts who would come to see me but not like patients i would i would get disappointed when i wouldn't get the twitch but then when i felt for the tone and i rechecked range of motion it was it was better too and i was like right. oh you don't you don't need a twitch it's essentially not just as non-specific as other manual therapies even though yeah like other techniques they presented as specific with a a necessary mechanism that you need, and you know, even you different because with manipulation, like patients have enough experience with it, but it's there almost is that expectation with needling. It's usually not an expectation, right? I mean, you tell them that, that you, you might this, get one, right? that you might get one, but uh, you don't really quite, you don't say that it might make you pass out or it, it could be super powerful. I mean, the first time someone needled me in my QL, my QL spasmed or twitched so hard that it sucked the needle in. And they, yeah. they almost couldn't get it out. <laughs> they had to wait for it to calm down and for my like back to relax so they could like get the needle out because only it was barely sticking out after that. Yeah, we call that uh, a good spot then. Yes, right. <laughs> so anyway, that, that's not even really, that's just the beginning part of the story. So um, later this guy calls and so it was verified on x-ray or imaging that he had a pneumothorax, <laughs> but um, the patient wasn't upset at all. And it turns out that he has EDS or something similar to that. Mm -hmm. And he said that um, he's had a spontaneous pneumothorax in the past. And how, oh. he how he got that was he was doing ballistic extensions for his thoracic spine over a hard foam roller. Huh. 
Um, and he said that that had caused in the past his pneumothorax. And it turns out that two days after this needling session, he also was doing ballistic extensions over foam roller. So, I mean, this guy didn't even, he was just calling the therapist to say, Hey, oh, by the way, yeah, I got another spontaneous pneumothorax with the therapist thought, Oh my gosh, I gave this guy Crazy. pneumothorax. But you know, in hindsight, basically his surgeon friend said, I don't think this happened from you. Right. Um, and also based on this guy's history with him doing like whipping back over yeah. a foam roller and having EDS and maybe one of his ribs is sub luck. I don't know. Well, <laughs> Who knows? Uh, if you're if you're ectomorphic enough, if you're, if you're hypermobile enough and you do ballistics, is that possible? I don't know. I don't know. See, he's a respiratory therapist and he's done this before to give himself a spontaneous pneumothorax. So he's decided to do it again. Maybe he gets relief from his thoracic spine. I don't know. Man. I guess it's uh, what's an acceptable risk. I guess. Yeah. Because he's doing it to yourself, you know? Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, you know, maybe he no, would if, he would tell someone else to do it. But right. uh, I, I mean, I'd be wary also of even doing a thoracic manip on this guy. But yeah. who knows how hard he was whipping back? I mean, some people can be extremely aggressive, you know? He can be very long, yeah, long levers too. Right. High velocity, high amplitude, they call that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so that's the story. And I, you know, I, this guy the was sweating. That is though, like with the pneumothorax, it's going to be very quickly. It's not going to be like two days later. It's going to be like later that day, there's going to be symptoms. Oh, you mean with the needle? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't that day. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that reminds me also of like the, the big adverse event they talk about for uh, cervical thrust manipulation, that being a VBI, I guess, or right. stroke or death. Um, that is not always immediate, although I guess right. the stroke and the death can be immediate. But, um, you know, that has been shown also to happen like, oh, sometimes two days later. And then they can't always blame it on only right. the manipulation because the therapist, I remember Kairos in my class had said that, well, you know, if if on average it happens within 48 hours, within that time period, the patient is also seeing an MD and et cetera, et cetera. And that's kind of like how they they rationalize that it's not necessarily always the adjustment. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. I mean, yeah, it's not like either. the MD prescribing meds is going to cause a VBI. Right, right. You know? Yeah. So I wanted your take on that. I thought it was interesting. And, and you know, if any of you listeners have ever heard of anything else um, similar, you can definitely chime in if you guys are dry needling instructors or anything like that. I just have very limited experience, but I know that, you know, again, it, the, the level one was enough for me to stay away from the lung field. Yeah. And it's not too often that you, you do a lot of needling in the lung field for the most, like I don't very rarely, you know, you, a little bit, maybe scapothoracic type stuff, but you're usually going off the scapula, those kinds of things where you have a nice solid bony backdrop. You're not just kind of willy nilly in the thoracic spine there, you know? Yeah, it's like not like you're trying to do it. <laughs> no, hopefully not. Yeah, it's not like you can really go too deep. I mean, I'm sure they're very superficial techniques, but what do I know? I never took beyond level one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, where can people find you? People can find me um, on Twitter, but mostly Instagram at a Rothschild PT. Uh, do I hear one of the new dogs barking? Or the, uh, that new dog? That might <laughs> be the old dog barking. That's right. It doesn't sound like a beagle. Yeah, beagle gets a little more howly. Yeah, it's like that being. He doesn't bark that much. Mostly outside in the yard, he'll do a little howling. Yeah, I don't think beagles are inside uh, inside barkers. All That's right, true. so Andrew's also going to be starting up modern patient education, um, his part of the mentorship soon. So if you guys ever wanted to join a four-month mentorship, now's a great time. 
And if you guys also have any either big physio failures, interesting stories, funny stories, uh, make sure you shoot either one of us a DM and you can uh, jump on the podcast or at least submit a story and we could read it and discuss it. Remember to uh, leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And you guys, as always, have a good one.